Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mangum Talks. It's a general interest podcast of the Mangum Talks Brain Trust, where we get together, chat about some sort of shared interest, shared experience. My name is Lee. I am your host. I am here with my co-host, Spencer Spencer. How's it going? Doing fine, man. Also got BJ on the line. BJ, what's up? Not too much. How are you doing? Good. Rounding out our foursome for the day. Levi, what's happened? Yeah, I'm just sad. The Celtics lost. Boston doesn't have another title. I've not seen a title here ever, by the way, Terry. I know. Been, title, t- it, title Town. You haven't even seen a title. It's been, what, almost three years? I mean, sounds like your bad luck. <laughs> I would say that Boston getting to that finals was quite an achievement. So uh, let's look at the positive. No let's moral victories here. No moral victories here. Mm, okay. Well, no moral victories for Levi. So we are here on the Mango Talks podcast to discuss anime. We are continuing our review of Attack on Titan. This is Spencer's selection. He had us few episodes ago look at three different anime shows anime whatever you want to call it and we picked one that we like the most attack on titan we are now on episode one two three four five six and seven 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 and eight eight. okay that's right seven and eight is what we reviewed this week and we were just chatting and bj demanded that we go ahead and start recording because levi was going to do his victory lap about calling that spoiler alert if you haven't seen the episodes we're just going to talk about them Aaron is not dead um Levi, do you want to do your victory lap? We'll just give you some space to do it. Well, so I don't think that I need to do the victory lap. I think you guys need to grovel. Like I, I need to hear the the, the, <laughs> the adulation of my fans of, of, of how smart I am. I mean, Terry, come on now. You you were trying to give me shit earlier about well, they telegraph some stuff here. Well, wait um, a second. I, I mean, just like just just you know, get in line, kiss the ring, and bow down because Spencer, I'm taking over your crown, and I don't I don't even cheat like you do. You cheat on that on the Harry Potter podcast. Um, I don't. I'm just I'm just just so clever. Wait a second. So first of all, that's a reference to pottering around a, a chapter by chapter reread that Spencer does, where he does read ahead and then pretends he doesn't read ahead, and then it's like, oh look, I called it. Here's the thing I'm I'm saying about this. I'm not saying that it was necessarily telegraphed in the episodes we watched on previous episodes of this podcast. I'm saying that within the episodes we watched this go around, I guess seven and eight. There were moments that were like abundantly obvious. Like, I mean, Mikasa being like, there's something so familiar about him. When I look like it, it stills my heart. Like within the episode, they were telegraphing it. Now you do deserve some credit for calling it like four episodes ago. So that's where I'm going to, I'm going to draw the line that you, you called it well before it was properly telegraphed, but it was certainly telegraphed these episodes. Yeah. Levi, I won't bury the lead. Absolute kudos to you. Despite all evidence to the contrary, despite, bloody arms flying out, dismembered corpses, people being swallowed. You stubbornly adhered to the belief that our hero wasn't dead, that he had a further story to be told. Even kind of vaguely hinted at the idea that there might be something Titan connected about his survival in your predictions too, which is also on point. So kudos. I don't know what degree it was absolute brilliance or just sheer stubbornness in face of reality, but you called it correct in this case. Aaron's alive and has more story to go on from here. Shout out, Levi. So Spencer, um, because BJ is staying quiet because he he's, he's grumpy about all of this. Um, that's okay, bud. Um, <laughs> you get something right at some point. Um, but Spencer, oh, I I think I look forward I, to it. I sort of buried the lead. Uh, <laughs> all right, I, I revealed I revealed my thought process last episode, which is ultimately some version of I don't respect the show enough to kill off one of the main characters early on. That's yes, that's, a, yeah. that's a big ask. Um, like yeah. that. That takes a real, real adult, and also they're you know going from a manga, so they can't have free reign to do everything. But like killing a character um, that early on, I get it. Anime has matured a little bit, but it's not quite prestige it's TV. Quite, in that. 
It's quite a like line one. to cross. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. I, yeah, I was really hoping that it did have the guts to do that. Um, I do think, though, that where we're at, this is my opinion on the show now. First off, I voluntarily watched it without playing video games in the background. So I, I'm getting more intense. Focus. I'm getting more hooked <laughs> on this for sure. Um, but I will say that like where we're at now, where apparently we've got the ability to like go in the Titan's head and control the Titan. Also, they have like Spider-Man-esque grappling hooks and big old like katana swords where they can like slice the neck of these things and jetpacks. Mm-hmm. It would seem to me that like, we are now like we being humans, like minus 150 favorites to like win this thing. Like it, it looks like the, the balance of power has shifted significantly. Like I don't understand how they can't just fly around and cut them in the neck. It seems like every time they're pushed in a corner, they're able to just fling themselves off a building, slice the neck and boom, the Titans dead. Why not do that to every single one of them? I'm, I'm very confused. Now, Levi, you in particular called out your pessimism that humanity had any hope whatsoever of surviving this, that there were giants at the walls, they were overcoming all defenses, elite teams are being wiped out. Has the course of these two latest episodes given you any confidence in humanity's ability to overcome? As I said before, there are, what, four seasons of this? So obviously something's going to happen, because otherwise, I mean, what, what are we, you know, watch a bunch of titans lumber around after they, they wipe out humanity? Um, so that, that probably is not going to happen. Are we meant um, to give you a bunch of credit for calling that something's going to happen in the next no. four episodes? <laughs> um, I will say that they have made vast improvements. They still aren't net positive, right? I mean, in terms of, we don't know the total Titan population, but it seems like they're still losing troops at an at a, at a incredible clip. Um, they've made some improvements. They've got some better tactics, especially against the little little baby Titans. Um, mm-hmm. They can really yeah, they fuck those guys up. Um, yeah. But we still don't have an answer for the armor Titan or the, 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 you know, is, is it monolith? Like what is, what is the name of the big guy? Uh, colossal. Colossal. Mm. Uh, colossal and armored. We got nothing for them. So we're really just buying our time and hoping that, you know, there isn't a, a thunderstorm and suddenly the, the Titan appears. Um, so I think they're just like praying for not rain, uh, which will kill them in another way. But ultimately they've, they've made some improvements, right? They're, Batting a little bit up. I don't think minus 140 is, is, is remotely real. Titans still have the upper hand. But. Mm, I don't know. BJ, what do you think? Do you think the Titans still have the upper hand in this battle? Uh, yes and no. I, I, I think that there are some hints that we have in this episode that are uh, leaning into other things that are going to happen in the story. And so until we explore them, I think the uh, Titans have the upper hand. Hmm. Um, not to yeah. jump in here, but um, is is Mikasa is she the Steph Curry of of Attack on Titan? Like, is she she's the one that changes the game? Everyone else is playing playing a different game, and she just yeah. says, "You know what? Why restrict yourself? Why be afraid? Why not just do this?" And then she opens up the game, gives a gives a lot more space to the game, uh, takes down takes down foes, slays them, uh, changes the game really. She's uh, I Steph think Curry. She's the I disagree. Yeah, I agree. Yep. I, I, why, I disagree why because she is doing what she's doing the best job of what everybody strives to be, but it is not a game change. So she, that, I mean, the tactics are like when she goes in, swing around, cut them in the back of the neck, kill them. And she's just really, 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 really good at that. Yeah. The best. However, the game change is whatever the fuck's going on with there. He, oh, you mean, yeah, that. <laughs> I, I hope we do have like Titans as like 
little puppets uh, going forward. That that was fun. Meat puppets. So yeah. let me, let's it, it, let's further the analogy. So I like Mikasa as Steph Curry. I think that Aaron is more Pat Riley, LeBron James, super team builder. Like he's building, like he's building a super team. Like he's able to field people onto his team that you would not expect. I agree with BJ that like if that can be replicated, whatever Aaron did getting in it. So by the way, kind of stupid. Like what did he just <laughs> stick his arms in the brain of the thing and use it? Like I'm, I don't know about that technology. But let's say that can be replicated. I would say that might be the way to get get rid of the armor and the and the uh, what is it the colossal, especially like if all of them could get different titans and end up battling that way. Could be pretty cool, but I, I still have the I still have humanity as a favorite, Levi. So Spencer, uh, mm-hmm. given where we are, does this now fall into uh, giant mecha anime? It, I was going to ask you, does, does this now meet all of your desires about giant mecha anime? It's meat, it's meat mecha, but it still is a category of mecha, depending on how you think Aaron did this. But uh, to continue the sports questions first, uh, from our sports fans here. What did you think of Mikasa's speech to get the team rallied? Uh, do you guys approve of that kind of shaming the audience speech to get them moving? Or do you think that it took the follow-up from her friends to really get everybody attacking the way they did? I don't think she's a leader. I think she's a good individual contributor. Yeah. And, and that's my Steph Curry question of where she is a all-star player, but is she actually a general on, is she actually a general for the team? Yeah, that, that's where the, the, the comparison ends. Yes, yeah, Steph is definitely a leader on the court. But um, mm-hmm. I... Uh, Maybe a little bit more like that. Uh, was it that Tennessee coach that would just like insult and slap his players until they uh, did better? You talking about Bruce Pearl from ages ago? Um, <laughs> so I, um, that's a good question. I, I think you got to know your audience with the, the the locker room speeches, right? Because like mm-hmm. like the the best locker room speech can fall flat if it's not the right audience for it. Like I think. Every locker room speech ever given to college players, none of them would ever work with pro players and vice versa. So, like, you just got to know your team. I'm not, and to Levi's point, I'm not quite sure Mikasa knows the team. It's a good speech. I'm not sure it landed. That's why they needed a little follow up for it to work. So, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not 100% on the Mikasa's the real general here. She might be like the, the best like fighter, but not necessarily the leader. Um, I guess the, the other thing that, sort of a general question that I wanted to ask you guys is uh, what did you think of the furthered explanation of how their shit works? Like that they have these refillable gas canisters that they like slot into their uh, Spider-Man suit things. uh, And sort of that's how it works rather than just leaving that it works like, you know, going a little bit further into that explanation. And, and even the little uh, title cuts that they do between the scenes that will get further information about others, rotating gyros to go through this. They're trying to give us a technological basis for how this goes. Does that improve the experience for you? Or does the fact that it's trying to make it more realistic take you out of it? I like interviewing interviewer Spencer. This is good. I like this. This is a very different dynamic than we normally have on the pod. Cause like normally this is the type of shit I would, I would kick to you. Mm-hmm. And be like, I don't know, like the, the, is it like, does the technology like realistic or what I could give a fuck, but like, let's, let's kick that dispenser and he'll talk about it for like five minutes. Um, I, I honestly just like compartmentalize this type of stuff. I'm like, look, if I, I okay, like I, I take the explanation on face value and I say, all right, now they can fly. Now they use grappling hooks. Got it. I just move on. Uh, I think it's a plot device just to explain why they can't actually fight back, right? Why, why are they grounded? They're mm. grounded because they don't have gas. They don't have gas. That means they can't keep up the fight. That means you have to go through other means, which means more conflict mm. and different conflict. Um, 
I mean, it's real. It's realistic, right? I mean, you don't have perpetual motion. Something has to push you. That requires energy. Sure. That energy has to come from somewhere. Mm. But from like a first order perspective, like mm. you can't, like you, at some point you have to have an explanation, but like they didn't for what, six episodes? It just sort of <laughs> existed. So um, now they their just supplies, wanted a plot device. Their, their supplies last as long as plot demands. And I guess the thing, so it really, that whole uh, insertion really bothers me in a way that the title card, like the <laughs> in-episode title cards doesn't. So, I mean, I think that's fine. It's sort of like extra lore. It's like the planet explanations uh, and details in Mass Effect, where if you don't sure, read it, it, it doesn't matter. But if you read it, there can be entertaining tidbits. Um, and to Levi's point, like, they knew that they were going to do this episode a long time ago, like before they ever set about doing it. Why not include like little bits of like the gas escape in the back or whatever the hell you want to do in the past six episodes? Why? They technically have, but it's been very, it was very brief about resupply teams sending out gas and new blades. It was just a throw off comment. Right. But like they didn't show it. So sure. like, and, and, and they didn't say it. No, I mean, and that is a problem that like, a lot of shows and other uh, media have to deal with in in way that the sort of the written word doesn't where like show don't tell versus, and I think that they could have just put it in at some point and then it wouldn't have been there just for the convenience of a plot device, basically. One question to ask is you guys talked about Mikasa being the Steph Curry. What do you guys think about Armin in terms of the uh, his planning of the various stages of the operation they went on, even just the emotional arc he went on from, essentially contemplating suicide at various moments to instead plotting out what the next stages of their reconquest would be. Love triangle. Before you, uh, before I address that, the actual suicide, did every one of you guys see that coming? Like saw him preparing the, the, the gun and the gun. Oh yeah. yeah. No, that did surprise me a little bit. Surprise you. Okay. I, I didn't, I did enjoy, I, it's a weird comment. I enjoyed how much it is occurring <laughs> in the background as the girl was talking so much that you can notice it building up to it before it occurs. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know about love triangle, Terry. I don't know. If they, I don't think the show is that adult. Um, to, oh, it's uh, happening. She's going to, he likes Mikasa, not a threesome, but he's going to like Mikasa. Oh. Mikasa likes Aaron. That's where it is. Uh, okay. Did, when when someone, wait, wait a second. When someone says love triangle to you, do you think a threesome? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just wondering. <laughs> I do. He, he uh, completes the, the triangle rather than, uh, <laughs> Have it Three sides to it. It's got to connect. Um, while while uh, uh, I have no evidentiary <laughs> basis for that, that was my immediate assumption. <laughs> um, Levi, to jump back to what you were saying about the suicide, what surprised me about it is how on screen it was, mm-hmm. not that it happened. Huh. Um, and to me, that was sort of the first point that this was a bit more explicitly an adult anime. Um, because up until that point, I think it's sort of not unreasonable that this is, I mean, at least U.S. violence in a way that like would be sort of fine for like a younger teenage audience where this is like going a little bit farther than that. It's, uh, human versus human violence in a much more visceral way than like, you know, even the, the Titans chewing on the, the people because of how like not real that is. I like the argument, BJ. I'm, I'm going to ca- counter with two words: sex slavery. They had that. They had the sex slavery plot, <laughs> and that. Given that's, some before. That's pretty like that's that's adult themed. That is some some, some serious stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that, but like, I, I feel like that that's not going to be an ongoing thing. And so it's a little bit more like a, a hint that this is like an adult anime as opposed to like really a, all right, no, this is like not, I would say not appropriate for, for younger teenagers. Like, I don't know what line that I would put on it, but like that very real, uh, like on screen suicide is just not like a, it no longer is in sort of like the realms of transformer violence and, and, you know, things like that. Wait a second. You, you would lot, you draw the line when they're teenagers. What? You said that, that it might not be good for early teenagers to watch. Yeah. And you said you draw the line somewhere. So you're saying that you would draw the line like 14, 15, 16. You're saying like 13, 14 is not okay to watch this show. I mean, I think 16, 17 is closer to what I draw the line, but like, it, it's hard to just say like a general. So would you say like 18 years old is too young to watch it? Like where? No, where I mean, is that? I, I think, I think if you, you're trying to keep a 13 year old away from this type of show, it's going to be difficult. I mean, I think I, I, I understand that the, the suicides adult content, but I, I, I find it hard to believe that you're going to be able to stop a kid up until like 16 or 17 from watching I'm not, this type of show. I a hundred percent agree. Like, I'm not saying like, there should be an effort to prevent them, but like, I would never recommend this to okay, somebody. Recommendation. That young. And, okay, and like, I, got it. I, w- I wouldn't like, I feel like if I had a kid, I wouldn't be like, I'd be like, no, like I'd prefer if you, I'd prefer you watch something else. Like, yeah. I don't know that I'd punish them for, but like, cause then but, they're just like going to do it. I mean, I don't want, think this like, is, I don't think this is a throwaway, like a conversation. Like what is the appropriate age group for this type of show? Because it is, I mean, in the Western world, cartoons typically mean kids, but it is adult content. There's a lot of violence. There's adult themes. So, like, I think it's a good question. Like, what what's an appropriate entry point to this type of media? At this point in particular, suicide is such a difficult topic to go into in shows that there's a lot of pressure that shows get whenever they depict something along those lines. Like, a few years back on Netflix, there was a show, um, 13 Reasons Why. Oh, which had a graphic suicide scene in there, which I would because say. of just a very negative response from media, from various interest groups, they went back and edited it out of the episode from specifically on that topic, suicide being such a difficult issue to discuss in, on the screen or particularly to depict to often a younger audience. But they also marketed that show to teenagers. They, and that's yeah. kind of on that point too, for particularly for a teenage audience, suicide is something they usually try to avoid depicting or discussing or anything else under fear and concerns that they're not going to be able to process it or go through it in a way that might necessarily be healthy. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think, I do think that like, this is the type of show that like, I bet, I bet a huge chunk of the audience is between 13 and 17. That's the intended Um, audience. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe the, maybe the thing, maybe the critique here is like, maybe they shouldn't be in like, maybe pull out the suicide stuff. Like, cause it seems like everything else to me, it seems pretty reasonable for that age group. I mean, like slashing a giant human in the back of the neck <laughs> while you're Spider-Man grappling, like, sure, I don't know. Yeah. That's not one-to-one to real violence they would commit well, in my mind, but like the suicide, I agree. I did like, like elevate it. Well, it's interesting too, because we get a straight up guy shooting a massive rifle into his mouth. We also get Armin saying, leave me a blade. I don't want them to eat, which is pretty strongly implying that he was intending to use that upon himself as well. But secondary character directly depicted, main character implied in terms of going through those ways. Ultimately, he doesn't kill himself, so they can't directly depict it either. Um, But suicide is front and center in terms of both depiction and discussion in this episode. But uh, as said, uh, discussing the idea of Armin, um, 
previously he's been kind of just a, a second fiddle and supporting to his friends. This time he's actually directly giving them plants. These having to be encouraged them by them to a certain degree, but he's the one that even suggests the idea that let's bring the big ass Titan that we don't fully understand back to base by basically killing all the Titans around it. So it keeps pursuing them, which seemingly works out very well so far. Sure. I feel like the, uh, I don't know basketball players well enough to choose a mediocre at best player that turned into, you know, a top, top five coach. Le- Levi, Lee, give us an Steve, example. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, Rick Carlisle. I was, was Steve Kerr mediocre at best? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he was good at the thing he did, but the thing that he did was particularly, like, especially mm-hmm. in that era, was fairly considered mediocre. Like, he played yeah, he terrible shoot. defense, couldn't rebound. He wasn't a great passer. Like, yeah, he was a mediocre player for sure. Okay. But here's one question. Uh, Levi, you talked about, you know, how are they going to make sense of this? Did he crawl into the Titans' brain? One thing that even Armin commented on that didn't make sense was, Aaron has an arm and a leg again. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's so I, I want to back up a that? little bit because okay. you 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 breeze by the most surprising thing to me in these two episodes, um, which was the weird fucking rainbow lines on the hand of uh, Aaron, hand yeah, Aaron's Titan or whatever, um, because up until that point, we didn't really get mad like on-screen magic and i would say that this we really got what i would essentially what i I would say is is on-screen magic that you know maybe explained at some point but it was depicted incredibly differently than what i would essentially call the on-screen magic of their gear which is you know very you know kind of steampunky but technology based Mm um and and so i guess it's to me that was the there is magic in this world and it has something to do with like how people interact with the titans um and i guess i just sort of you know i I don't know how much you guys picked up on that and sort of what your uh is this a spencer putting a note up on the wall to come back later or or what's your uh take on this uh, I would say, in fair, fairness, anything you're seeing with respect to Aaron as a Titan is a note to put up on the wall for later. Sure. I mean, I think the ultimate solve for all of this is some version of like take over the Titan and then, uh, in some ways, like make sure a human has sex with it and then it gives birth to a sort of half human, half Titan. And I think that's going to be the, the, the one true uh, Lord of the Realm because ultimately they're larger, they're faster, they're stronger, um, but they also have intelligence. So um, that's just my theory. I'm throwing that one out there. I'm riding a hot streak. I'm gonna I'm gonna play it out. So is that more of like a love trapezoid where you have like one you know large? Mm. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna acknowledge the lack of, of I'm gonna I'm gonna acknowledge the lack of genitals or anything resembling normal human organs. But Levi's been right so far, so I'm at least giving the kudos <laughs> as possible. On all the other Titans, we we didn't did we see Aaron's Titans? We saw, that Aaron, we saw Aaron was a Ken doll. Okay. <laughs> you don't you don't need you don't need privates private parts to fall in love spencer it's a separate thing uh, to, ha- to have children there is a certain anatomical series of requirements uh, we don't know about the titans we don't know how they're reproduced or exactly created right exactly right we do not have human half titan season five Wait, mm, did you also notice like where aaron came, where aaron emerged from when he came out of that titan form the neck nape of the neck nape of the, nape of the neck which we have seen prove very relevant in all Titans that we've uh, confronted so far. I think you might have just tipped your hand. Does that mean that all the Titans have a person in them? Like, oh, like how we, how I used to, when I was like 
three, I used to think about people that there were little people in us that control everything. <laughs> that's one theory. Or, uh, ahead of the time in, for Men in Black. The other theory yeah. is that that's their vagina, right? Like that's 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 where the little titans come out. Uh, the emergence of Aaron is distinctly vaginal in terms of where the shape he's coming out of. Just saying, yeah. like we, we we just solved it. That's that's their their that's where you fuck. Make sure I think there's little human. people in there, and I think that Aaron, when he got eaten, went back there and murked the little person that was in that one, and then Ooh. stuck his hands in it, and then that's how that happened. I like this theory. Or hand effectively at the time. Yeah, we're we're gonna hand wave the the re- regrowing limb. Although Titans do it too, so I'm assuming that he just sort of like ate up a little bit of Titan juice and exactly got, got the genes, and that's why he that might be why he's so like. Um, like not not talking and he's very different mentally right now because he, he got some of the okay. titan genes in him i mean he just I, came out so like you know he's probably a little uh I said hey like what? a word hmm? i don't think he spoke yeah no, he didn't that's he what i'm anything. saying yeah. he could have said yeah. a word like it makes me yeah. think there's something wrong with him um the other thing that that i i assume they're not going to allegorically but like this is kind of uh athena popping out of the head of zeus and and the the whole like titans eating their young uh in in mythology so like i don't know if this is a nod or this is just like uh a weird ass whole cloth thing that on that point bj there was a hell of a lot of focus on a pomegranate sitting on the floor next to mikasa before she recovered yeah. her resolve so sure keep greek keep greek mythology in mind so if there are little people that are in the titans then they right. obviously the, the titans are weapons that another civilization are using to attack this civilization. So now we would, we would reduce this thing to a war between two groups of humans mm. over something. Uh, did, did you guys also see the intro to episode seven of those uh, kind of black and white little flashcards to the past of what, when the Titans first came about a hundred years ago? I ignore that stuff. Cause that, that was unique. That was, that was pretty intro. And it does talk about the downfall of humanity and they're fleeing to the walls. So it's useful to watch. Um, go, ahead and, go ahead and guess that this is basically the capital class uh, trying to keep the peasants um, under control. Um, maybe they have an overpopulation problem, um, and they're a little concerned about peasant revolts. Uh, so the the capital class uses these these titans for calling the herd, as it were. I also wonder if this is a uh, form of the uh, stress causes change, where you know somebody decided that for like humanity has been stagnant and like sitting in farming and basically doing absolutely nothing and the lords are sitting back and and you know just reaping the bounty but like society and, and civilization as a whole is not doing anything with uh worth of, of worth or of note and so the way that they're gonna push humanity forward is is by cataclysm um that feels like what they could be doing I feel emotionally required now to support all of Levi's theories. So I, I will, I will give him the nod that um, we have only learned a few bits about the leadership of this realm before, or we saw Marquis Bart uh, in I think two episodes ago. Do you guys remember what his response was to finding out the Titans had attacked? He's the guy who was playing chess, right? Yep. His response was bring the military to my base. Doesn't matter. Anybody else let them die. We also saw that the leadership's response to the outer wall falling was to basically send hundreds of thousands of people to die in a forced color. So, We'll give at least a, a couple data points in support of Levi's theory that the leadership is using this in some ways to kill off people. I do like that, like occasionally, in the past. occasionally on these shows, Levi will reduce the show to like how we would write about it when we were like in like AP English. 
like this <laughs> is this, ultimately this is a commentary on social strata and like you know the elite class and the aristocracy uh and how they treat the the little guy in the one percent or 99 percent how much do you guys assume that uh aaron was in control by the way from what we from what we saw in this episode we we assumed 100 until you asked the question, spencer what the hell are you saying what are you talking about i'm asking it's pretty obvious that he was in control. We, we, did, well, I, depends what. You, what do you mean control? Because do you mean I'm like he was controlling the Titan's body? I think what Spencer is saying is he cognizant of everything that's going around him, or as opposed to like, is he the one that is controlling the Titan's body? I think that there's that partial nuance, and also like, is he in complete control of the Titan's body, or is it sort of like a you know, he's a stumbling toddler uh, that, you know, has some faculties, but not not elite. I assume he was completely in control of the Titan's body. I don't understand the question. Same, same. And it's a little, a little suspicious you asked it. Yes. Um, well, the reason I, I specifically ask is because Armin assumed, and Armin being, you know, whatever else you want to say about him, it seems to be pretty lucid about you know, these kind of conclusions he reaches, was that the Titan was moving on instinct. Now, he didn't know that Aaron was inside at the time he said that. But he was distinctly working off the idea that the Titan was just kind of instinctually drawn to other Titans to attack them. Hmm. Well, so I, the, we, I, I mean, they don't believe Titans have higher cognition to begin with. So, like all Titans, they do if they got a little person in them. Well, all um, of them have little people, according to you, Terry. Yeah. Well, so the other thing that that I think is interesting and worth pointing out is that um, the the Titans have sort of non basic interactions with people. Like it's a channeling of like the hatred or consumption uh, ideal of humanity. And so I think that there's a, a part to that, that that points to a non uh, sort of basic level functioning. I mean, they, they just do seem to be wandering around and like drooling, but mm-hmm. they're not they're not driven by any instinct that I could put to like other normal instincts that, that an animal would have. Well, yeah. the professor was talking to us a little bit about this a few episodes ago about how they they don't eat they somehow we know that they don't eat humans for sustenance that they eat them just to kill them they attack humans and that's it they don't attack other titans they don't attack anything else so there are some basic principles that the vast majority of these things operate on that I would yeah. I would equate to instinct uh, on that point of how they know that it's not a big spoiler because we're going to see it in an episode or two but once a titan has eaten enough it just vomits up everything that it's eaten. They don't actually consume it. They want that once they've just eaten to the point they can't eat more, they just immediately vomit. Well, that's a visual spoiler, if anything. Well, wait a second. If they, I'm not sure I understand what you're saying. If they eat until they can't eat anymore, they throw up. That doesn't necessarily mean they don't eat for sustenance. If I eat till I can't eat anymore, sometimes I'll throw up, but I still eat food just for sustenance. Do they throw up every time they eat humans? Yes. There we go. Now that makes sense. Got it. They, They also have no anus. So that that is the only way they. <laughs> again, <laughs> again, we have not talked about the nape of the neck. It could be multifaceted, Spencer. It could be a cloaca. I well, the, they're, they're essentially the starfish. Well, cloaca is very different mm. than than uh, the 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 one hole starfish. Interesting, interesting place we got ourselves. So, Levi, you're <laughs> suggesting that maybe they poop out of their neck. Is that what you're saying? We don't know. We don't know. All we know is that humans come out of there uh and they it's it's very sensitive sounds like an anus to me what one other thing to reference reference back to that professor that you we watched a couple episodes like uh one of the things the professor said is that titans only attack humans leave animals alone so a nice little woodcut of you know walking past a deer thank god 
we saw distinctly these Titans going after Aaron's Titan form, um, which previously we had no frame of reference, and they had no frame of reference that Titans could even attack each other. But it's interesting the other Titans are attacking him. I mean, mean, he he has good questions. So, like, maybe they're just jealous that that he's the only one that that isn't a dad. He is ripped. This is true. He's not. This is a good-looking Titan. I. I think your que- your questions are good, Spencer. But I think you're you might be leading us a little too much because I like. Are you saying like so? What I think maybe what you're saying is that like evidence that they have some sort of cognition is that they were able to change strategy and go, oh shit, this Titan is fighting us because we did see some Titans attack Aaron it, yeah. who weren't attacked by Aaron previously. So mm-hmm. maybe they can communicate. They're changing strategy. I think you I think you told me something there. I mean, but also they were in headquarters and they were in the gas area, which doesn't make any sense if they're just pursuing humans. Like if all they're going is like we smell humans, go eat them, unless they're they're going for like the the five people that were like all the way up there, but that just doesn't seem like a it seems like more like they would crowd around like the next wall or where, where all the humans are retreating to, if it's just sort of like, all right, we have instincts that are leading us to like this area. Um, that, that, that seems like a very, uh, you know, there's a hand directing them to places and then they kind of don't know what to do once they get there. Or, or the gas uh, repositories underground because they want to control the control potential explosions and they sort of fell down the shaft. They just like fell down. Little, little stupid babies. Um, I don't. I thought it was around the means of production. Yeah. Ooh, good point, sensor. Um, I think we will though with this this uncovering that that we can we can take over Titans. Um, we're going to learn about uh, how many five year olds can the, the 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 Colossus Titan kill. Um, <laughs> you've after all these years, you'll get to see it depicted on the screen. The question that you've just you know kept you awake at night. Hmm. Um. But here's another question for you. What did y'all make or what did you think about Nikasa's response to when she first learns that Aaron's been consumed of where she doesn't respond very much. She doesn't respond very emotionally. If anything, she gets more cold. Uh, it's not until she uh, finds Aaron at the end that she suddenly displays, you know, some of the, one of the most, some of the most, we've, some of the most emotion we've ever seen out of her. Yeah. Was that was that the kind of a response you expected Nikasa to make when finding out that Aaron was dead? I don't think she's emotionally healthy, if I'm being really honest. Uh, coming from, from someone who probably is emotionally healthy uh i i see the signs yeah she does shut down and that's bad um she's obviously in love with aaron um and impulsive i mean we you know that that move that she made where she's like fuck it we're going that like what, what was it the um leroy jenkins she did the leroy jenkins thing <laughs> um i mean that was terrible i mean for her um and all the people that she's with and what was interesting is that she did that move after she talked about if i got my my pacing right after she talked about the fact that she couldn't die because then the, all the memories of aaron would go too but then she still goes out and like and and, and is very i think it was the other way around yeah. oh, okay so that's it, when it she was did. it was okay. after her gas right now that was okay so then yeah. that was that was all right but i mean nonetheless i mean she's still like you know she's got this uh, this memory of aaron and that's important to her and she recognizes that like that is how he lives on. And nonetheless, she was still pretty careless with her life. So I don't know. I just think, uh, I think Levi's right. She's not emotionally healthy, but um, that will probably that, that lack of emotional stability will probably show up now on the other side of the spectrum. Now that Aaron's back with 
way too much attachment, way too much crazy. Like, I think it'll swing. So do you think she has stopped dissociating since the time that Aaron told her to fight back when she got captured by the uh, sex traffickers? Maybe. I mean, uh, she certainly had a lot of trauma. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, so that's probably playing into it. Um, but I, I'll tell you, Mikasa right now is my favorite character. Does she lose the scarf? I mean, she doesn't in these episodes, but do you think that happens? And do you think that I this to me, this feels like a symbol that will cause a significant change in her character at some point with the, um, the how big a deal they're making of it. You mean like she'll she'll unburden herself from the constraints of the world by ripping her scarf off and throwing it? Um, I feel like there's going to be a change in it. Like this feels like a this symbolizes her relationship with Aaron and, and her attachment to Aaron. And I, I think the. I mean, sort of to Levi's point of like the love triangle and, and what's happening there, like there's going to be some changes like moving forward with like how that happens and, and like, how point. she taking all the W's today, Terry. Mm, hurt my feelings there. I, I pointed out the love triangle. <laughs> Levi tried to make it a threesome. <laughs> right. And, and so what I'm saying is I think that she will disassociate herself from Aaron at some point, And that will be will shown be... as the loss of the scarf. So that's mm-hmm. when they're having Symbol. the threesome. Got it. We've tied everything together. Yep. Got it. Connecting that love triangle. Yeah. So BJ's, I guess, I guess rounding out that point is that like the scarf is symbolic of that relationship with Aaron and that if she ever ditches it, then that'll yeah. be a representation to us that she's trying to move on. And I think that, that that is a symbol of like, that is a symbol of her unhealthy attachment to Aaron telling her to fight back. Okay. Um, but you know, we'll see how that, that is. It, it is somewhat re- reminiscent of, uh, Spencer, what's the, the short story, the green ribbon or something like that. Oh, with the pulling, pulling off the, yeah. pulling off the ribbon of the date. Yeah. Or, oh, the, yeah. My wife likes that. She dresses up as the, that for Halloween a lot. She puts a ribbon around her neck. Um, uh, I mean, uh, with Mikasa being your favorite character, how'd you feel about your favorite character saving your second favorite character in terms of her jumping in to save potato girl from being eaten by the big-eyed little titan i'll tell you when they had this plan they're like seven of us are going to jump down and we're going to slice the back of the neck et cetera, et cetera. i thought that might be that might be too deep a water for potato girl <laughs> i didn't didn't have a lot of faith that she was going to execute that one properly and that borne out well, um, both she and connie mess up their kills but luckily there is mikasa and annie to jump in to save the day it's also interesting and I, part of it's going to be, you know, because of the tone shift, but I thought it was interesting that they have completely leaned away from Potato Girl's uh, personality as Potato Girl. I mean, she's just like, she's just sort of kind of like everybody else now. Um, but I wonder if they'll lean more heavily into that as they develop the side characters a little bit more, because I don't know, I feel like it's, we have our main three, we have a couple of other, you know, we have a bunch of other ma- named characters, but like for the most part, they ha- they they differentiated themselves early on, but they, they've come together and they're just like secondary characters in the uh, defense force. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I hear you, but I mean, they're also fighting for their lives and the future humanity. So maybe she doesn't like say, hey, let me break in this house to see if there's potatoes. Um, maybe she calms it a little bit with the hunger. Also stress, there's like science reasons and shit why you don't get hungry when you're, you're fighting. Sure. Uh, I, I agree. Yeah, it's adrenaline. Just, <laughs> it's just, I think it's different than other shows in that way. Um, where I think this would have been a cue that would have been taken through a lot more in 
a lot of other anime where it's just like, all right, you know exactly who the person is because they do the kind of the same thing all the time. And it doesn't matter how serious the show is at that point. It's not as flanderized and really in that respect of where each character has one trope that you have to always hit that trope to understand who they are. It took me like three seconds to figure out what the hell you were saying there, Spencer. And then I was like, oh, that was clever. I'm here for you. He's pretty good. Telling you he's good. Uh, and also returning to the subject of leadership, um, really this is the kind of the first episode where we see them operating entirely independently, or first episodes, where we don't really see much in the way of the military leadership giving anybody orders. We kind of just see them at the beginning just basically piecing out and running away. Uh, and otherwise, they're really kind of asked to act on their own accord to really survive, including, as you've noted, retaking basically the central um, repository, the central st- storage facility to make their operations in the entire region possible. What did you think of the uh, captain and the leadership basically piecing out? Did you buy their explanation that they were um, going to re-coordinate the advances in other areas or that they were just running away? Baxter? Typical behavior of the capital class. There we go. Typical behavior. Typical for. behavior. <laughs> Things get tough. They want to just, just, just retreat back to their their uh, their baked goods and their and their soft pillows. No, um, I mean they they got overwhelmed. I I don't believe the military here is serious, right? They're they're good at internal control, but I don't think they're actually taking fighting threat seriously, right? They seem to be basically incompetent, um, have no backbone other than these little spunky little kids. I mean, it does kind of feel like there are parallels to the wall in Song of Ice and Fire, um, and. Uh, I mean, a lot of other things where you essentially have military promotions in a time of peace. And so what you're selecting for has very little meaning in actual battle. And I think that the we've had, you know, in the lore of the show, we've had three battles, the the modern one, one four years ago and one 100 years before that. And so. The military battlefield experience. But yeah, there's not too much chance for battlefield experience, but like what's the military's goal? And I think like they they don't know what their goal is, other than it seems like there's a sort of uh lord uh royalty component to like controlling the the military that I don't know is reminiscent of some civilizations but but seems to have the like this is super important to maintain control but not as a fighting force Mm. a lot there a lot there bj um all right but what else are we going to discuss about these two wonderful episodes of attack on titan oh i know what i want to talk about um i liked it so much i debuted this on the podcast yesterday with spencer while we were plugging this podcast i liked it so much i went out and i bought the the thing, the the manga. You bought the manga. Well, how do you say it, BJ? You say it different. Uh, I've pronounced it manga or manga. Manga. There you yeah. go. That's what. It, uh, so a couple oh, things what? I've learned. Excuse me. Yeah, that's how he says it. Uh, I <laughs> here's a couple things I've learned. Um, one, the story is slightly different. Mm-hmm. Two, you have to open it on the wrong side when you're reading you the manga. Read right to left. Yes. And there is significantly, at least so far, what I've seen, there is significantly less text than normal comic books for me. Like mm-hmm. there, there is net less writing. There is more visuals as you're supposed to, you're supposed to be following the visuals as opposed to just like reading a bunch, like a lot of modern day comic books. I would That's guess. What I've got for you. And I don't know. 
and this is my general sense because I really haven't read any manga. It's more of a uh, like I've seen it. I've seen pieces of it online when referencing like the differences uh, between the anime and manga and, and things like that. But I imagine it's a lot more uh, violent and like in-depth depictions of the violence as opposed to some of it being off screen. Uh, I mean, I guess I don't know where you are, but I would imagine that. It's still whole, pretty early. I haven't seen much violence, but they're still yeah. setting up stuff. Yeah. The, the whole interaction between the sex traffickers and, and Mikasa's family, I would guess is going to be a lot more explicit. Um, but I don't know. General, Spencer? Generally, the manga is much more explicit, much more violent than the show. Have you read I, this one? Have I read this manga? I have read excerpts of it and, and reviewed no, certain chapters. That's a no. I've not sat down and read it start to so finish. Spencer has skimmed through it for spoilers, uh, so well, he no, knows exactly what's going on and can kills uh, lord that information over everybody well, else. But particularly with the man- with manga, there will be side episodes that will be released that aren't always adapted, and I've pointedly gone and read those just because I wanted to find out more about the story. I've caught myself doing that in the past, where like somebody would be like, "Have you seen Better Call Saul?" And I'll be like, "Well, I do know the general premise, and I have seen commercial." It's like, just say no. It's okay, Terry. Like I can say no. <laughs> like that I haven't seen Better Call Saul. Well, I don't need to say that I like I've I've seen the billboards up, you know. <laughs> I, I don't say one of the things that put me off reading it in depth was that the uh, the artwork, particularly in the early chapters, is pretty rough compared to the anime of where the artist took some time to find his legs. You'll find in later chapters he's gotten a lot better as an artist. I haven't been impressed with the, with the art. First, yeah. one, first ones are pretty min- are pretty minimalist, yeah. and it. It does get better over time, particularly some of the side episodes that have been released more recently are pretty impressive in terms of where the artwork is going. Let me you just say this. The only ones that you read, Spencer. So how do you say particularly? Particularly implies a unique, a uniquely true uh, statement, whereas you don't read the main storyline. Uh, for example, if you go on the if you go on the Wikipedia page or the, there the Wikipedia page, oh, anime, there we are. It depicts the. It, it will often do side by side depictions of the anime versus the manga, and also manga shots from various key moments. You can see the progression in that regard. And again, all of it's available online too. What a commercial for Wikipedia! That was awesome, Spencer. I'm going to go to the Wikipedia page now. Spencer, how much uh, media do you actually consume, oh, and how much is a depth in depth dive on wikis? How much media do I actually consume? Uh, probably the wiki is is getting the lead there in terms of the overall amount of time I spend with them. As some bitch does watch the Star Wars shows, though. I promise. <laughs> I promise he really watches those Star And he shows. complains about every minute of them. Uh, yeah. So, but here's the thing when I walked in. So, I walked in Barnes and Noble and I had not planned on buying the manga, but I want to ask Levi a, a question. So, Levi, I had this thought and I'm wondering if this is, this is, ha- you know, we, me and you are very similar in a lot of ways. I think this might be a fundamental difference in how we approach life. I walked in. I saw that the manga now had two of those entire massive bookshelves in Barnes and Noble. I mean, I'm talking a lot of floor space devoted to it. And I thought it can't, they can't have this much stock unless they're selling a lot of it. Therefore it has to be good. Therefore I need to try it. Therefore I'm going to try attack on Titan because it's the only one I know. Is that, is that a thought process that you would undergo? Would I reach the same conclusion or would I try to analyze the, the, the context of there being a lot of floor, floor space for some deeper meaning? I think I'm interested in the conclusion, but like that, my, my purchasing decision based on the fact that, well, a lot of people like it, it must be good. Uh, my conclusion would be that um, it seems like teenagers are buying an unequal share of, of stuff from Barnes and Noble. Um, 
And so it's probably teenagers and like middle-aged housewives getting James Patterson novels or, or whatever. Right. Wait a second. Uh, James Patterson's pretty good. <laughs> I don't uh, like that shot across the bow at all. Well, um, so like my conclusion would be the demographic of people who shop at Barnes and Noble and not necessarily the quality of, of the stuff. Um, now I am, I, I will say like, I don't take judgment necessarily on things in the same way. Right. I'm in all honesty, a lot of stuff's good. A lot of stuff's bad. Who knows? Can't, can't tell. Um, I'm not going to assume that it's good or, or that it's bad because it's popular. Um, See, that's the, yeah, that's the key. That because I I think I've I've heard you say that before. Like, I I caught myself being like, this is popular. It must be good. And I know a lot of people don't necessarily think that way. They think like it, it's popular, but I, I, it's not necessarily good for me. Um, but that's why that's why I went out on the limb and bought it because I was just like amazed at how much they were devoting to like, I mean, floor space at Barnes and Noble is a premium and they were devoting an awful lot of it to this manga. I think that I would guess that uh, it has a good profit margin because, uh, because a people will buy a shit ton and it's more expensive and, and, and serial in a way that comic books are and has, uh, and, and I also feel like people will, and I say this with uh, a fairly large bookcase behind me, but like to a certain extent, buy buy uh, a shelf of it, and it's just like, all right, well, they need to all look the same and all look perfect, and like uh, having a you know an entire shelf of just like one series, and I, I think a lot of them sort of the the spines are are similar and and either make a picture yeah. or just like line up and in a way that they like that I think that there's a a large section that that does it more for that than to like read it enjoy it and go back to it um and they also they may also yeah. just need a certain amount of floor space for how long it is it's 139 yeah. vol- volumes too so just you know to be to yeah be I know to... it was one through like 40 was on the shelf and it was numbered one through 40 and each one had one copy and I took one out of there. I felt like I had knocked the Jenga tower down. Like You're I felt very strange doing that. And, and I guess to that point, like, and how, and like, was it the same price basically or a little bit more than a regular paperback? So I, I think I, 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 I'm fairly certain I've read before that bookstores generally make about the same amount on each book. The, the profit margin, as far as how much it costs to make, how much they're paying the IP generators, et cetera, et cetera really falls with the publisher. I think that the bookstores make about the same amount regardless of what it is. Now your point might be really good about quantity, right? Or the the sheer number of them being sold because they're not very big. I imagine people do go in and buy like 10, 20 at a time. So uh, they probably do make money that way, but it it was clearly a very popular section. There's a lot of people in it. I think there's more in that section than any other section I saw. So, and and as for demographic, and, and I guess you can speak to the actuality of this, Levi, I think that there are more, like early twenties to early thirties in that demographic than, than in a lot of other things like James Patterson books or, or, you know, romance novels and things like that, where yes, you'll get some teenagers, but there are a whole lot of uh, like young professionals that this is where they're spending a lot of money because I mean, if the books are $10 give or take, and you're getting all 140 of them, and this is probably not the only series that, that you're going into. You're probably doing, you know, One Piece, Death Note, uh, you know, there are probably like four or five other major, and, and that's just in the like Shonen type series. I mean, you're going to get a whole demographic that's into like the dating and romance and then the weird sports uh, ones. 
have a question. Levi, did you, did you take a shot at James Patterson? Because last week he said that like white authors have it bad too. He's the only sort of like general, uh, generally available, very popular author that I can think of. I don't, I don't know like what, Mm -hmm. who's the most popular author. Um, there's that, there's that Amos for murder, uh, author who does like a ton of like, I get the Christie. No, it's, it's probably, it's probably, I mean, it's probably of people who make books continual. It's probably James Patterson or John Grisham. I mean, the most popular author of all time at this point is uh, God, obviously Bible. And then number two, uh, J.K. Rowling. Rowling, (laughs) Um, But but I thought that John Grisham has at least a bit of input on his books rather than like scrawling some notes on a page and then having his like harem of of uh, ghost writers to. My understanding is that Grisham really writes his books like he really does. I, I also have numbers. Uh. Patterson has sold 275 million copies of his books. Holy smokes. Uh, as of this date. Uh, BJ, to put into comparison for your Agatha Christie reference, she has sold 4 billion copies of her books to date. Right, but she's, she's had dead. a little bit more time. She's had a few more decades. But she's dead, right? She is very dead. Yeah, so like not not even, I mean, L- you know. Living author, yeah. How does that compare to Asimov? Jake, uh, let me see if he's on here. What was that question, question for you, Terry, and I don't mean this to be to mean in any way. Mm, okay, why, the hell were, why the hell were you in Barnes and Noble? Is that a thing you regularly do? Yeah, I go to Barnes and Noble a lot because he goes to the malls. Yeah, I go to mall, um, walk around. I mean, something to do, man. I mean, I got got to film a day. Um, yeah, I, I go to Barnes and Noble. I like Barnes and Noble a lot uh, because um, they they generally will like. They, I love small bookstores, but it is often very difficult to find what you want, especially if you are buying books that are in a series. Cause very often I've found that small bookstores will have like the intro book and maybe the mm-hmm. newest book and that's it. And then they're like, we'll order it for you. And it'll take two weeks. And I'm like, that is really stupid because I can get it on Amazon in 24 hours. Like I'm not going to do that. Uh, also love that Barnes and Noble has a, uh, has a Starbucks in it and get a nice cup of coffee and sit down. Hey, look, I know it's basic, but it's basic for a reason. People like that shit. It's very convenient. BJ, we, we don't have reliable figures for Asimov other than to know that there's more than 100 million copies of his work in print. Uh, number one for living authors is telling just about the people who go into Barnes & Noble. It's uh, Danielle Steele for romance novels. That, I, I was thinking of like her. Yeah. Like, yeah. She, she has sold uh, over 800. Uh, they estimate up to 800 million copies of her books. Do you ever go? Do you go on Barnes & Noble? Do you shop there? I, I have been. It's been years. Probably, it's probably been almost 10 years since I've been inside at Barnes & Noble. Levi, how about you? A little bit more than 10 years. Yeah, I think y'all have a messed up version of what you think Barnes & Noble is. Like, it's not like when when I, at least the, the the few that I frequent around here, it's mostly like young people that are in there, like which would explain the manga and the big fantasy section. And like, they have role-playing games now. Yeah. Um, big section for that. So like, it's not, it really isn't like a bunch of 60-year-olds buying Daniel Steele novels, at least in my experience. I mean, I, numbers I, somewhere. My, my my personal take is that it, it, it it's very much bimodal, right? We have, have, have the old ladies buying a lot of romance novels, and like you got the middle-aged dads buying whatever like military adjacent crap that they read, um, and then the children buying buying manga, manga. manga. You love putting people in buckets, don't you? So manga, love it. The, manga. I would guess that Danielle Steele manga. makes most of like sells more more books in like grocery stores, pharmacies, like Costco, like places like that rather than bookstores. That's a I good imagine point. that it's a, it's there. yeah. Um, that is a good, good point, by the way. Um, 
when's the last time you saw like a a bunch of books in a grocery store i haven't seen that in some time now oh yeah they're, they're definitely in my the grocery store i frequent there there's a book section next to the magazines and but the candles Levi, now that you mentioned that, when I was growing up, I remember there always being a separate section for books and books uh-huh. and bookstores. But a lot of my grocery stores have actually gotten rid of those. Uh huh. And they actually have like they they have like ostensibly like the bestseller list, like one through ten, like they'll mm-hmm. have on the sure. wall. And it's not really the bestseller list, but like that's what they have. Yeah. And a lot of Daniel Steele, a lot of a lot of like trade paperbacks from stuff that was a bestseller six months ago. I think that it's a little bit less common in in grocery grocery stores because target and walmart have basically taken over for the a lot of people's shopping and so grocery stores are going like a little bit more we're not going to try and cover everything and have windowed down some of that stuff but i mean honestly like do you go up and down every aisle because like i i there was a point in time especially like when i would shop with my parents that i think that they would do that but like, I just don't do that. So like, I never go down the paper goods aisle that has like greeting cards and magazines and whatever. I do. Cause I buy, I buy cards for like birthdays and stuff. Yeah. That, it's definitely, I think it's still a thing having the, having the little book section in grocery stores. It's definitely still with CVS. Cause I was just there the other day and they've got a, a collection of books that were, you know, New York times bestsellers six years ago, kind of thing section. Levi, when you buy a a book, do you default to buying it on like a reader, like a Kindle or something? God damn right. Yeah. Well, that's why you're not going to Barnes and Noble. You don't buy books. I mean, the the last physical book that I purchased, it was like within the past year, um, but it was the Walking Dead um, comic. There's there's a a collective volume. Like we're walking around in some area and there's a little comic book shop um, and I saw Walking Dead. So I said, I'll give that a shot. But I don't. Other than that, I buy Kindle only because I, I read the 30 minutes before I go to bed. I need to have a, have that backlight. Yeah. So that, that would explain why you're like, why yeah, yeah, you're so confused about why someone go to Barnes and Noble. If you, if like, I don't have a reader, I don't use a reader. I've had, I have had one. I didn't like it. So I used, I buy books. So kind of need to go there in, in a lot of cities if you're actually going to get what you're looking for. Um, by, by the way, BJ, to answer your question, yes, I go down every aisle because the grocery store that's close to my house that is of, of reasonable price um, and not Whole Foods. Uh, is uh, they over the past six months, every time I go in there, now it's sort of like split between Sam and I who goes to the grocery store. But every time I go in there, they change some shit. They change the location mm-hmm. of something. And I got to go down every aisle to figure out where the hell the raisins are because it's not clear where they are anymore. Um, yeah. like it's, it, it's, it, it's literally absurd how much that they decided we're going to do a slow moving shift for, for, for the next year as opposed to just saying overnight, it's going to be different. That's yeah. a conspiracy theory on that. I think they do that to Make force you to walk around and see shit you normally don't see so that you might impulse buy. I would agree with the cynical take on that, but half the time they also have like moving fucking pallets out there, like in the middle of the aisle that makes it hard to go down. Like they're not making this easy. This is not no, as though well, that's, that's just yeah. execution on the store's part. But like the general idea from corporation is probably we're going to make you stay in the store and walk around for a while. Like the Gary at the back. It's very frustrating. So yes, I've been down every aisle multiple times of of, of the local one. Um, but I mean, in general, like I, it, it may be the case that it's like a, a New England thing where we tend to have like smaller, or at least not overall, but like a lot, lot more smaller grocery stores. Whereas like the Harris Teeter style, let's have everything there. That that's a little rare up here. Like 
their market baskets. But when market basket comes to town, that's like a thing. Like people like, oh yeah, let's go to the market basket. Um, they, they're used to the small grocery stores where maybe they just don't have the, the square footage for the, for the book aisle. But I haven't seen it in years. And I just have such a distinct memory growing up, always mm-hmm. seeing that, never buying anything, always trying to get like the, the sort of semi-porno stuff from, from the magazine aisle. Um, yeah, always. Maximum shit. Yeah, so this is a completely... This take has nothing to do with reality. I don't know this at all. <laughs> nothing. But every time Levi was like, up here, things are different. I'm always like, no, they're not. Like in my head. I don't know. I don't, I've not been up there, done nothing. I just feel like, and I don't know where this comes from. I feel like Levi's trying to make it sound like he lives in another country. So so I, I always reject it. When you leave, I was like, we don't have normal. I'm like, no, you don't. Nope. You got you got food lines. So I know where you, don't, you are, I mean, whatever. So where you are, like it would surprise me a little bit more. But like in Boston, I imagine it's a lot more like New York, where like for a really long time, like you just had much weirder grocery store type setups, uh, and like where you would get your your food and how you would shop than a lot of the rest of the country. Um, I, I guess it would, it surprises me a little bit. And like, I imagine that like, you know, very possible that the suburbia is like that too. So I have a question for you, Leva. Earlier, while we were, we were talking about this lovely show, you picked up a cup of coffee. I could see from the branding, it was Dunkin' Donuts. Now, are you, did you, did you drink Dunkin' Donuts when you lived in Durham? No. But you started now that you were up there. Yes. He's a fair weather fan of everything. Well, I mean, now he's see? a Celtics fan. He like, but there's he, more, just, but there's Dunkin' Donuts everywhere here. So that my question is like, what what happened? Like, are you just better in Boston? Really embracing? Um, it is the closest coffee shop uh, slash uh, things with sandwiches uh, to us. So, in, in to explain the particular situation here, um, we got up a little bit late. We're we're lazing around with the dog. Uh, it was nine o'clock. I had to, had to get ready for you guys. I, I drove to a local um, restaurant. There's a 30 minute wait to get something to go. So I went to Dunkin Donuts and got a got an egg sandwich. Um, so okay. that's the logic. It's the closest one. Um, there is a Starbucks, but I don't see the purpose of, of frequenting the Starbucks. Like just support your lo- support local businesses. Yeah, and, like and Dunkin, Dunkin Donuts, your local business. <laughs> and Dunkin is effectively a local business around here. Yeah, Starbucks. <laughs> Starbucks has burnt coffee. I don't like their shit. So, but, um, so, so Levi, if you were in Seattle, would you go to Starbucks? Yeah. Okay. Um, Terry. Okay. Consistent. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where Panera Bread is, but I. St. Louis. St. Louis Bread Company. Oh, St. Louis. really? Yep. Oh. That, that is very on brand that you know that. Uh, have you read any Daniel Steele? No. I mean, it's popular. A lot of people like it. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. They, they, it's true. It's true. Um, Got I mean, and I'm sure it's good. Um, she's having a good <laughs> I mean, it has to be good. I mean, how can it not be? I mean, she sold 4 billion copies. It's got to be good in some way. Like, I mean, it's just a matter of finding the good in it and appreciating it in my mind. Have you, have you watched the Marvel movies, Terry? I mean, no. I mean, I do have a, like, I mean, I do have like a, like a certain amount of hours, like that I'm alive. Like, so, you know, I like, I can't quite like take everything, but I also, but I do. And actually I do have, I have watched some recent Marvel movies. I watched the new Spider-Man movie. Um, and I watched well, Batman's DC, I guess, but I watched Batman. But I, I have watched a couple Marvel things. Oh, and I started Loki. That was really good. But my point being, I know the Marvel intellectually. I know the Marvel movies are good. I don't question that. If somebody's like the Marvel, I like the Marvel movies. I'm not going to be like they suck. Like I understand that. So my my general impulse is when things get very popular to say, oh, I want to know what that is, so that I can like find the good in it and appreciate it, just like 
these millions of other people who I can't imagine are all collectively wrong that this thing is good. Um, And the other thing that I wanted to say about Barnes and Noble is I think the main reason that I don't shop at Barnes and Noble more is I'm a cheap bastard and, and the, the cognitive dissonance. And I understand that things are getting like, have gotten more expensive from when I was young, but like the like Mm. trade garbage paperback being like between nine and $15 now, as opposed to like $4.99 or whatever, just bothers me at such a level that it's just like, I'll go to like a books or whatever, or, you know, find, find a way to get a used book. Cause it could, as, as at a certain point, like how much do I care that it's new? I don't, it's the convenience is the, yeah. the convenience. And, and like, I don't like you probably spent, I don't know how long trying to find it at a used bookstore to save the two or three bucks. And it's just not worth it to me to spend that amount of time to save two or three bucks on a, on a book, especially when I know that if I buy the new yeah. one, part of the money is going to the author. And I do like that. So. Yeah. I mean, like I get that and I do appreciate that. I, my, I guess like, I, I don't think I've ever gone to a bookstore and bought one book. Hmm. I don't know at all time. Spencer, you had something? Uh, just on the on the subject of you buying Attack on Titan at Barnes and Noble, according to these figures, uh, the 34 combined volumes of 139 chapters have sold over 100 million copies. Woo! So it's definitely had some international success. Got to be good. Got to be. I, I mean, well, that's combined. I mean, you have to div- <laughs> divide it, that. that so it's that, like ah, like you know, three that, million. That's for selling as the 34 volumes of the chapters of combining the chapters together already. All um, right. I'm imagining you picking a religion is going to be hard, right? get all the, all these religions at about a, about a billion people. It's like, I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of people believe in Hinduism. A lot of people believe in Islam, a lot of Christians. What do we do? Who knows? Gotta be good. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess you can, I mean, like, I think any sort of like logic about that, you can probably spin out and like, like find where, where it ends. Right. You can find where the person like finally ends. I mean, like, yeah, obviously with religion, I mean, you like, that's a little bit different, like than intaking, like, okay, I'm all, I'm gonna try to like find something to like, it be entertained by for an hour as opposed to like fundamental way to live my life the rest of the rest of years be, I live like uh, a little bit of a different selection process. I, I, I go for the, the off the beaten track stuff because I'm already part of a, a, a niche religion. And so, you know, it's, it's part of the, You're not part of a niche religion. It's a big religion. It's a big one. Mm, the folks not, down at folks down in Waco were part of a, a niche religion. I, I think calling Judaism big is, 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 is a little rough. Like, it's not you know, niche. Are you kidding me? Everybody knows what Judaism is. It, it not, I mean, it's not in the top, what, probably 30 or 40 in terms of numbers. It is. There are not that many Jews in the world. 30 Speaking or of, 40? I mean, it depends yeah. how you differentiate Christianity, I think. So speaking of, of, of niche religions, um, Mormonism. There have been a lot of documentaries and dramas about Mormonism uh, lately, and it's been fantastic. Yeah, I, I think I, I recommended one to you. What was it? I remember I told you about one and you got excited. Uh, you mean Under the Banner of Heaven? Yeah, that might be yeah. it, yeah. Yes, that, that's a um, a drama and that's uh, written. It's an adaptation of a book by John Krakauer, who's an author that I really like, especially growing up. Hmm. Um, I haven't actually seen that one, but uh, Sam has like stumbled on like one Mormon documentary and uh, and now it, it was about the fundamentalist um, LDS, uh, so the polygamous sect. Uh, and then now, now we're talking about one of the um, some bombings that happened in Salt Lake City uh, due to some some Mormon documents. Watch another documentary on them. So, that hatchet men have come out from Mormons. I don't know what's going sounds on. Like a, sounds like a sounds like a microdosing episode coming up. Like because of some documents. What in the world? 
Well, so Terry, here's what you got to understand. Mormons have a love of history, except for the fact that they cannot have a love for history because they believe in ahistorical things like Jews coming over from, from Israel to America and settle, selling the Americas. That's ridiculous. Are we, sure, are we sure there's enough of them to do that? <laughs> there is not. Fair enough. Um, yeah, they do believe in some, some interesting things. Ahistorical. I'm going to uh, say interesting things. Should, should so Levi, are you are you leaning into the H as a enough of a consonant so it's not an historical? Mm, good question. I don't know why I do what I do, BJ. <laughs> Being completely honest. That Fair is enough. a that's that's keeping it fucking real. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else on Attack on Titan before we wrap this up? Um just a final question of the unique aspect of the episode. This is one of the first episodes where we got to spend some time in another character's head outside of our main trio before we got to spend a fair amount of time with John or Gene, I remember pronounce his name um, with is Gene, the, is Gene, the leader. They were several times referred to him as the leader. And he was the okay. one that was kind of trying to lead people in to attack the, um, the, yeah. the central facility when Mikasa and Connie and Armin were off doing their own. He seemed kind um, of like a, a sergeant like level, maybe yeah. like, yeah. like, you know, squad leader, but maybe like top squad leader. Um, for a portion of the episode was basically spent, going into his guilt and his doubt when it comes to, you know, I'm leaving these guys with tax facility and they are dying right and left around me. Just opens the door that we're going to get uh, more perspectives over the course of the show. And he's one of the examples we'll get. I like that. I like cha- changing the POV on us. <laughs> right. Well, in terms of predictions, what, what, what do you guys have to offer in terms of what we're going to see in the next episode or two? Levi, the Oracle. Okay, Levi, you've been hundred percent on point so far. What can you tell us? <laughs> uh, I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm a big picture man. Um, can't get in the minutia of <laughs> individual battles. I think we're gonna get a uh, weird, heartfelt scene between Mikasa and Aaron. I think that that's yeah. a given. I mean, we have 24 minutes, so or, or you know, maybe not even, maybe like low 20s. So we're gonna get a whole bunch of. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Blonde boys theorizing about like how Aaron yeah. ended up in. Yeah, Armin, thank you. Uh, how he ended up in the Titan and kind of what's going on. And it's going to be like 40% correct. Um, uh, and I wonder if we're going to get a flashback next episode to try and tie this into things that were going on uh, before the attack four years ago. We have PJ's predictions. Lee, what do you think? I think that... Um... We're going to find out from Aaron that there is little men in the back of the next things, and that he, he killed the shit out of him when he was in there. Killed the little guy that was in there and he took it over. And he's going to, the, the whole thing about season two is going to be showing people how to like slice the neck, get in there, you know, take over. And then it'll be, it'll be in a battle of the Titans that they can take over versus the Titans that are coming from this outside threat. And then it'll be like Pacific Rim. Yeah. Something, something similar. <laughs> Good movie, um, by the way. Yeah. Very good. Solid. Interesting. Um, when do you think the next time we'll see a potato will be? How many episodes hence? Important questions here. Season three. Season three? Yeah, it'll be like a nostalgic thing when they throw it in. No, she's done with the battle. She's she, All the stress has left her system, and now she's going to be just ravenous. You think she's going to just go ham? Oh, you're thinking that there's going to be a quiet period in the next two to three episodes where uh, she's going to like pig out on on uh some some potatoes maybe so all right well 
this has been a good episode. I've enjoyed reviewing the show with you. I obviously increasingly getting more and more interested into it. We will be what episode nine, 10 next. Mm-hmm. How many episodes in a season, Spencer? I think it's 26 in the first season. Oh, Spencer <laughs> loves it. All right. So we'll be doing this a while. All right. Episode nine and 10 coming at you the next time we get together. Thanks everybody. I've enjoyed this. We'll be back with you next time on Mangum Talks.